Welcome to Forward, the podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. You are now entering a spiz-free zone. No unicorns, no rainbows, no chiropractic fairy tales, just progressive talk for progressive chiropractors. So buckle up and get ready. We're moving the profession forward. And now, your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe. Welcome, everybody, to the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Podcast. Forward, I'm your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe. Uh, before we get started today with our special guest, which I, I'm actually, I don't, shouldn't even say I'm actually, I am genuinely excited about this guest for specific reasons. But before we get into that, uh, let me tell you about Forward KC, the, for, the first ever annual convention of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. It's going to be at Cleveland Chiropractic College uh, in Kansas City. Uh, Cleveland Chiropractic College was generous enough and their students were motivated enough to get us a place where we can host our first ever annual convention. We've got some tremendous speakers uh, running the gamut of everything in the evidence-based world that you could possibly imagine from assessments to rehabilitation to business aspects and marketing and research and science. And not only are we doing all those dorky evidence-based things at this convention, but we're going to have some really, we're going to have some, we're going to have some fucking fun doing it too. And we're going to show people, especially those straight chiropractors who say they own the passion in the profession. They're the ones that are excited. We're going to show them how excited and how passionate we are about what we do on our side. And I'm using air quotes when I say our side of the chiropractic profession. Um, so you can check out the, all the details for Forward KC at forwardthinkingchiro.com. While you're on forwardthinkingchiro.com, uh, don't hesitate to become a member of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. It's cheap to be a member for a year. It gets you put on our membership map so people can find you and refer patients to you. We've constantly producing content and blog articles and special podcasts for members only and we get discounts, and we're going to have swag. We're going to have all kinds of fun there, too. So be sure you become a mem member of that uh, website. Now, the reason why I'm super excited about this guest uh, is that, uh, Brandy, you are the first. You hold the honor as the first ever female yes. doctor of chiropractic on the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance podcast. So stoked, dude. Brandy, whose last name I will butcher, is it Nemchenko? Yep, you nailed it. Oh! Look at you! Okay, that's it, folks. Uh, I hope you enjoyed no. this podcast. And <laughs> Mic drop. Um, not only, and I, and I don't want to totally make this sort of like a male-female gender podcast and all that sort of stuff. Like, I don't want to go that far, but I think we do have to sort of address that subject in some sort of manner because... Um, not only are you a very successful business owner, chiropractor, uh, manager of your clinic, boss, uh, family member of your family and wife and all that other stuff, but you've also had to endure being a female in the process, which in this boys club we seem to be running here is not always the easiest thing in the world. So I do, I am going to get there a little bit, but I don't want to make it all about that because I think you have a lot more value than just that. And I think a lot of the the really good, solid female chiropractors we have in our profession are way more than that. We need to respect them than more than just being female docs. They are actually really good docs, and they they bring a lot to the table that a lot of us men couldn't even uh, um, comprehend. How do you like that? I love that. 
Um, so I respect you. I think we go right into this thing, this thing, this fucking thing. I, we cuss on. You said you didn't want to cuss on the podcast, but I might let these things go when I get a little bit upset. I think but I'm you, inspiring you. You, uh, <laughs> you. Um, there's this thing that happens, and it happens when you own a practice, and it, it, it inevitably someday the youngsters who are listening here, when you own a practice, this is going to happen to you too. You're going to have interviews with young chiropractors or, or possible associates or you're going to have interns that come into your office to poke around and look around and you're going to see some great ones and you're going to see some all out straight up dipshit turds, turds. Um, no offense to all of you who are unconsciously incompetent of the fact that you're a turd but they do exist <laughs> and i've no, seen them i've seen a dime a dozen here here's one of mine so here's what I, I do when I have a, a, a shadow or an intern, Brandy. This is great. I, I give them everything. I don't hold anything back. I give them as I talked, I'll talk them out of the building with as much advice and information as I possibly can on day one. Yeah, it's up to them to take it though. That's the, that's the big issue. At the end of day one, I will ask them one simple thing. Do you have any questions? Are you curious about anything? Do you want to know anything else about what I just said today? I said a lot. And if they say, no, no, I think I got it. That was pretty cool. Thanks. There is no day two. No second date. No second date. No intellectual curiosity. No, no. I mean, there, I can't tell you how many interns I've seen with just like an empty, that sort of like empty, foggy, blinky stare. And, and it's not. They, got it. they know what it is. They know what they're doing. And that's what I think it comes down to is a lot of times you see the young docs and they already know what they think they know what to do. And they look around your practice and they go sort of like, oh yeah, okay, well I could do this. I could do this. Yeah. And I could do that. I sleep. Um, <laughs> I'm setting you up here cause we already talked about it off the air, yeah. but has that ever happened to you? Oh, that is, that has totally happened to me. So um, we're hiring our fourth doc. Um, she's from the board and she is, a GD unicorn. I'm trying to censor myself, Bobby. I, I'm a lot more braver with hey, behind the keyboard. If we want to not cuss, we can not cuss, but we've no, already. Dude, I, no, I, I, I'm a paramedic, so I, I cuss all the time. <laughs> Anne, Anne is a damn unicorn, and Anne is my 11th interview. Um, so 11 people have in the last year and a half we've interviewed because we've had a need to fill, but I knew it was going to be tough to find another fit for our practice because our practice. I am bound and determined to create a unicorn type practice where you can be evidence-based. So I talk about on the board, I've been a reviewer for 13 years. I just retired this year only because my book is coming out. So I can't do both. Um, but I've been a reviewer. So having good notes, uh, being evidence-based, being action plan based with their, our treatment plans, um, not bringing other issues into the practice, um, having that and then being technically excellent, like Dr. Eric Brennan, who's on the board, he's a freaking amazing chiropractor. Um, he, I've known him since he was, I've known his family since he was 11. <clears throat> he's hang, hung out in our office since he was 16 years old. So he's a freaking amazing chiropractor. And I thought maybe like, wait, hey, like I had it easy on, on with Eric because Eric was literally six houses down for me growing up. But um, in starting the interviews, I am extremely open um, with my practice and I'm extremely open about the struggles that we've had and I'm extremely open about the struggles 
that I continue to have as we get bigger, every level seems to bring up more problems. So some of the interviews that I've had have are humorous that I'm almost after this book, I'm almost considering writing a second book about um, the experiences I've had. And I don't mean to put people down, but I was really disheartened trying to find somebody because we have a 5,000 square foot office. We have one of the biggest practices uh, locations in the state. Um, it's just laid out perfect. And I had this guy, uh, he, we got to the end and I said, do you have anything to say? Like, do you, did you like it? And he said, I'm really pissed off at you. And I was like, I looked at him and I was sort of like, okay. And he said, you stole my dream. And I was like, I looked at him and I was like, he's like every little detail. He's like, you have nursing, the nursing room with the changing room. You have uh, closed rooms instead of being open bay and it's still huge and it doesn't look like a mill and everything's homey, but yet very professional. And he's like, I'm really pissed off about it because like you stole everything. And I looked at him, I was like, dude, you're still in school. Like I've been out 16 years. Like I built this bitch. Do you know what I'm saying? And I, I got kind of pissy with him, but I was like, I don't, you know, just, just the gall of him to say that I stole his dream. And I think some of that is that limiting that was built when he was in elementary school. I built that <laughs> when he was in diapers, but um, it's just, um, I think that's the limiting belief with, with the chiropractors is like, just because I build it doesn't mean you can't have it too. And it doesn't mean you'll see a lot of people on the board that I've helped like behind the scenes where it's like, if I'll open up my entire, um, I'm like a chiro touch macro queen of systematized. I'll give you everything I have. It took me, you know, 14, 15 hours to create that system. I just want you to win. And there's enough patience for everybody and there's enough success for everybody. Do you know what I'm saying? So there's nothing I have to hide. Do you know what I'm saying? So I yeah. could, I mm -hmm. totally helped him create that because I've done it. And to have that attitude, I wasn't going to help him with, with shit, honestly. Um, and, I, I, and I think that permeates, uh, that, that shows up a lot. It shows up a lot in, in the people that we sort of deal with, um, it's like we would all the all the doctors who are practicing and they've tasted some success and tasted a lot of failure along the way too. But all of us would be willing to give you guys, the young doctors, anything if you just asked. We would be there if we, you know, if you showed the the initiative, initiative, the, the humility of yeah. saying, like I tell them Gratitude, that, like all that shit that I still don't know. Like I, yeah. it's, and somebody might think I'm stupid for saying that, but like. I don't know how to handle 2,200 visits a month. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you know that when your practice explodes? Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not being a cocky bitch, but like, if your practice, you know, doubles on itself or goes up by 50%, you need to have that laid out of like, what staffing do I need? And, and how is this going to work? And what position do I have to add now? And, and um, how, is, how is that going to affect my staff? You know, it, it, every little detail that... Um, an associate or any kind of um, intern doesn't have to worry about like that. Somebody has to do that. And, and my husband's also a doctor. He's been out a year. They gave him credit. He was a medical doctor in Russia for seven years and um, they gave him credit of a year. So they moved him up. So he moved back to Philadelphia when we were in school and I finished up um, school by myself with our, with our daughter out in Kansas city. But um, it, it's just, he has no, my husband doesn't want to own the practice. Like he doesn't, um, he doesn't, it's funny because we both started the practice, but it became really quick with gender roles of, hey, you're better at this, so you're going to do this. Or, um, 
you know, it's, it, even something as simple as sitting at the front desk. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think my husband has ever sat at my front desk, even though I had three-fourths of patients more than he did. He never assumed that role for me. Um, yeah. And I don't resent him for it. It's just not his thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. But a recent intern I just had in my office, I had laid out a very intensive program where I was going to expose literally everything to him. Like, and I wanted him to see the good and the bad. Like I had to serve my first patient legally with please don't ever come to our practice, go to these other practices. And I let him see the entire process of calling my malpractice for the first time and saying like, how does this go down? And he went to every station except for the last one. And because he knew that he wasn't going to be able, he wasn't going to have to do his front desk. And I said to him, you know, even if, say you're an associate, right? If you're an associate, you're still going to need to have some respect or some uh, knowledge of how that works, how that process works. We're having some um, empathy on that person when you think they're doing a shit job yeah. to sit there and have 20 patients in front of your face and the yeah. phone's ringing and your doctor wants you to do something. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, absolutely. So, I, I said to him, like, I, I, we, we had a rating scale for him, and I said, you haven't even sat in that chair. And he said, well, I'm never going to do that. And I said, and he wanted to have his own office. So I said, I said, let me get this straight. So when you start your own office, do you think that people walk in your office just being trained on, on how to be a front desk person in a chiropractic office? Because the odds of that happening is probably zero. I've right. never gotten another CA. So you're going to have to have some idea how this works. Um, in, in insurance, he didn't want to understand insurance because he didn't have to know it and somebody was going to have to do it. And I tried to tell him that at some point as a boss or even as associate, if, if he got himself into a job, let's say he's a full associate and everything's taken care of for him, right? And he's in a shyster practice. If he doesn't know how that works and somebody's billing under his license, he better know how that works. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. That, that something's not right here, but he just, he was above it. He was above it and he didn't want to do it. And I finally got him to sit behind the front desk. And it's funny because we just had to get cameras because we had some thefts in our office that, from outside stuff. And I, I would watch the office and he would sit in the chair back like he was um, watching football. So he had his <laughs> arms crossed and it was like he was supervising my front desk person and not up there asking questions like, and I would have given him any for, I have one of the best Swiss watch systems in terms of paperwork and things being streamlined. Like it's, it's an art form. Like ChiroTouch has people come to my office and all the time to see, see it. It's a, I mean, if I could, if I could be as successful in practice as I am creating systems for ChiroTouch, <laughs> I would be a million. If I sold the shit that I give away, like I could be a millionaire because uh, it saves people time. Do you know what I'm saying? It saves yeah. them aggravation. It puts up safety nets. He sat there like he was watching a damn fight or like some kind of football game or some boring something. You know, he was, he, I wanted to put a beer in his hand and just, and just, you know, it was, I wanted to draw that on the screen when I was watching him on the camera. He had no interest in learning it because he was above it. So yeah, I, you know where he's at now. I, well, he's graduating, but I, I shudder to think that, um, you, you know, how he's going to be. And it's not, I'm not being mean about it. I'm, I'm genuinely worried 
this about, isn't even one single person. This is actually, this is, this happens no, a lot. This is, this is pretty much, you know, every, every person I brought in the office and we, we bring in people a lot. I love to mentor people and I don't want to say like, Oh, don't come to my office. Cause I'm going to make fun of you. But we've you had, what, people you know what I did today uh, between patients. What's that? You know what I did today between patients? What'd you do? I uh, changed a light bulb. Nice. I got on a ladder. I washed dishes. I, I washed I, dishes. Uh, I, the, there's no more snow anymore. So sweeping, think, yeah. sweeping all the gravel out of the driveway. Um, uh, unplugged a toilet. Yep. I've done. Yep. Change the roll on the toilet paper. I clean out the fridge uh -oh. every week. <laughs> yep. I, have, I have a lot of staff members and I still clean out. The that's dishes. practice. That's what you do. That's what you do. But uh, I have definitely met uh, my, my fist over handful of, of, uh, young Kairos or interns or students that don't think that's part of the game at all. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still going to other offices. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you, yeah. you get to a level you, I still, we brought our whole team down to Virginia. Like we, we stayed overnight because I want my office to be the best and I will not apologize for that. And I won't, it's just, I used to hate business so much because I was such a failure at it because I didn't charge for what I was doing and I had no systems, like I had no systems. It was sort of like you'd come in and my report of findings was, you have some stuff stuck in your back, you have some knots, I'm gonna dig the knots out, I'm gonna get your spine to move and then we're gonna strengthen on top of it. Like that was yeah. it, that was my system. And it was sort of like, let's see how we go. Let's put you on two weeks and, and see, my big rule in my office is if you're not significantly better in two weeks, and I'm damn good at what I do. And you know, Eric's really good at what he does. Every doctor in our office is really good. So we can get you feeling better really quick. But it wasn't, um, it wasn't fixing anybody. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. There's no such thing as a permanent fix. But even just the systems, it was exhausting. Um, I was overpaying my team members a lot. Um, you know, I was letting them dictate my office to me because I was so weak and I would pay people a lot of money to sort of mitigate dealing with HR because HR was so exquisitely painful for me, like the confrontation of, like somebody's eating an egg McMuffin and a hash brown and a big orange juice at my front desk. Do you know what I'm saying? With well, their here, here's the thing. So we can take it back to that, that one sure. intern. Um, what he doesn't know or what, what he doesn't realize by not uh, understanding the importance of, of the in and outs of a working front desk or how that works or how he would even operate it is you lose money uh, in intangible ways that you don't even see. And these guys, these guys who behave in this manner, uh, my background was my first associateship. I worked for a clinic that had six offices in the Bay Area in San Francisco. Um, and I was the fixer. I would go to one office as it was sagging in production and I would bump that thing up. I would find out what the problem was and try to change the, the problem. And then, and then after that office was fixed, I'd go to the next one and fix that one. And then the next one and the next one. So I was always fixing problems and uh, we, we'd have a ton of new docs coming in and it was always the classic question what do you expect to make as a as an associate right out of school and it'd be like six figures and you're like you don't you don't even know what you don't know about the problems that you create that I go behind and I have to fix yep I'm an extra salary that this corporation has to pay to go around and fix these things that you have no idea about like they if you don't understand how a front desk operates and say you got the egg McMuffin and hash brown front desk person, but you, you, you don't, you don't understand the front desk and how it works and you don't correct that you lose money. Well, or not only that, I had an employee one time 
you know, talking about that, I, I had a manager and I paid her very, very well. And um, I had a, an employee with her knowledge would come in 45 minutes before the shift because the computers weren't working that fast. So she took it upon herself at $16 an hour to come in and, and sit there and eat her breakfast while she turned the, the computers on. Over time, over a month, I could buy a damn new computer. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, right. that's the ridiculousness that people don't think. Like, even my iPad at the front, we have uh, six iPads for check-in. Uh, it's the one's not working. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Get rid of it. Do you know what I'm saying? If the patient has to fill out the paperwork twice, they may give you a negative review. It takes time for you to hand it back to them. It delays the doctor, which delays the staff, which you're paying for. Um, it's just, there's, a, I think that part's exciting to look at every, and it's not being cheap. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, how can I make this work the best? It's the easiest. It, it's an art form. Do you know what I'm saying? And that, that I found a niche in. When I was in school, I would create um, cheat sheets, not cheating on your test, but like study guides because I was a TA in a lot of the classes and I can distill information and, and make it easy. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's, that's a, that's a skill set I have. I, I couldn't run a business for shit, but I could make a nice study guide or a nice set of macros in Paratouch. But once you learn business and learn that it's all about consistency and systems, and the, the more that you can standardize your practice and focus on your practice, the more successful you're going to be. It's you know scalability. It's scalability. It's scalability. And, and it's, it's even like I create a system for one office. And a year ago, I started creating systems for five offices. Okay, how am I going to do this if we have five offices? So we made SOPs for every single procedure in my office, the why behind it, how I'll know it's getting done, how I'll know it's not getting done, who's responsible for it. And then I took it further, put flashcards on every, um, every uh, station that I have, just so that if somebody needs some quick reference on how I want it done, then it's there. And they also, we just started to go to task sheets where um, I've had task sheets forever and I, I thought it was a pain in the ass to have them do that. But it really, it's like, it's like that checklist manifesto where, yep. you know, pilots go through that. So why wouldn't I have my team do that? And what we just added this week is where somebody would come onto a, a job site, you know, the, the front desk or whatever, and it'd be a mess. So I needed a reporting system. If I have five offices, who's screwing up? Do you know what I'm saying? Like who, who is messing someone else's job up and how do I monitor that? And how do I move through that and retrain? And if it's not a training issue, do you know what I'm saying? Like there's a lot of, there's a lot to think of, of owning a practice. It's not like, Oh, I'm going to go and see some patients. Like a lot of times my husband will be like, Oh, just hire somebody. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, right. Oh, just hire somebody for that. He doesn't realize somebody has to write the ads. Somebody has to place that. Somebody has to go through the hundreds of, of applicants. Somebody has to invite them in and track when they're coming in, sit down with them for 15 minutes, you know, see if they send a thank you note. There's a lot of- And you still have to know the job anyways. You're still gonna yeah. have to know what you want from the job, even yep. if you hire somebody to do it. Yep, and know um, where, cause like a lot of times my husband will say, man, that doesn't take that long. I'm like, dude, you've never done it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you've never- But that's why a lot of these docs, and I don't know your husband personally, but I assume he's in this category. There's a lot of these docs who don't think on a scalable systems method. And that's why most of these guys end up in their own office in a one room deal, uh, just treating people for 30 minutes, you know, yeah. and see, so 30, what is that? 16 people a day at the max, but they can never do 16 people a day because they're always running over because- right. 
Uh, and even their note, like if you, if they sit there and uh, when I was a reviewer, and they're doing I, notes two hours later. Notes were like a novel. Every every <laughs> daily note was like a novel, and I'm like, like and it was like handwritten. Do you know what I'm saying? In this old scrawled, and I'm like, dude, if you would just take the time to make a template, it doesn't have to be canned. Do you know what I'm saying? Just that's what I'm yeah. doing this weekend. Like I'm sitting here at my table. I have post-its everywhere. And it's like, how do I make a system to make, uh, because I'm hiring Dr. Ann, you know, and it's like, I got to get ready for Ann and make sure that everything's ready for Ann. And I want, all I want Ann to do is walk in and see patients. And as we go, so that's, I don't know if I want to get into my dream. Like my dream, Ann is sort of like the sentinel of my, of my dream. So we've had Dr. Eric for three years. Uh, my plan is for Dr. Eric to take over my whole, that big office that I have. Um, but I want him to grow into it. So my plan is to have five total offices in the next five years. So Anne is like the final doctor in that main mothership office. Right. And then as soon as Anne starts, I'm going to start looking for another doctor. And then I'm going to bring that doctor into the office for three months, train them on my systems, pick a failing practice or, if, you know, a struggling practice and buy it and then put, uh, put that doctor that's been trained in my office with my philosophy and my protocols, train their staff in-house with my staff, and then put them in the first um, location. And then as I, as for five years, I still want to, I still want to practice. And then over the next five years after that, I'll sort of start to back out and start teaching, really teaching boss stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? I already share anything that any of them want to know, Eric wants to know, or I teach them that, but I want to start backing out and then sell them off to the person that rightfully has it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yep. No, that's a great formula. It works really well. Um, the, the, the overall formula for doctor filling of these offices, because obviously we did this before, is uh, it's, the formula is O plus one. So for every office you have, you add one doctor. So if you have two offices, you need three docs. If you have four offices, you need five docs. Um, but yes, eventually that is the the game plan that works really well for a lot of people who understand systems is you build three offices, sell one. Now you're down to two, but now you have some passive income from the sale. You can, if you negotiate your contracts appropriately, you can build a third office somewhere else. Now you're back up to three offices, sell another, and then you're down to two. Um, these things get kind of hairy when you get around five offices. So you always want to stay like around three to two. And, yep. and you can manage those pretty well. But once you get to four offices, five offices, six offices, the logistics get way out of control. Yep. Like you were literally hiring a driver to drive you around from office to office. Um, until having, we have, having an operations manager do that. So I, I've already. Right. Exactly. That way. Like, and it's, it's, it's not for me. It's never been about the money. It's one, it's fun. Now that like, I finally, it's like you finally cracked the code and, Every year when I would fail, I actually have like, you know, crumbs like Hansel and Gretel of like, you know, we're good people and we're good doctors and we actually care and, and we're ethical. And I would see all my friends that were like, um, that would bring, do the bring your husband in and sign up for a year that I was friends with that were like millionaires and I couldn't sell my soul to be that way. So I made notes of like, okay, I did this and then I did this and this is how I changed. Do you know what I'm saying? Because right. I knew I was going to make it if I had to hang on with my damn nails. But I, there's people out there who are really good doctors and they're really good people and 
they're too freaking nice. Do you know what I'm saying? And I'm still nice and I've kept my nicest, but you have to have like an edge. Do you know, you have to develop some cojones a little bit and, and um, crack that on yourself. Do you know what I'm saying? You, you right. have to be disciplined. But I'm passionate about this because I want, I want to provide a safety net for potentially five doctors. You know, if Dr. Eric doesn't want more of them to, be, to teach, so he can learn all my mistakes. And he's always been open to learning anything I have to teach him. He's in a front row seat. Do you know what I'm saying? Without having the responsibility. So he's, he's, yeah, he's taken advantage of the opportunity in front of him and has been open to the process. And I would imagine he's probably a team player. He's a very big team player, yep. Uh, And and so is Ian. That's the biggest problem we see. So that's hands down the theme of this first half of our podcast is the problem we see with a lot of young chiropractors is they are not team players. Uh, It's almost, uh, it's it's endemic in the system in, in chiropractic. You know, the people who choose to become chiropractors tend to be somewhat self important or self absorbed because you're yeah, and that, that was shocking to me because we had one guy that came into our office and I, I think he's on the board, so I apologize, but um, I hope he hears what I'm saying. He found me through the board, the forward thinking board, came in to visit and would not shake Eric's hand. You know, he, he wouldn't shake his hand um, because he was above him. Do you know what I'm saying? And he's the one that uh, I'm sitting in my office and I'm waiting for him because I, I only practice Tuesday and Thursday and, and following Tim Ferriss's stuff, I see the same amount of patients I used to see in a week in the two days just because my systems are really efficient. But um, I'm waiting for this guy and I'm sitting in my office and I'm like, where is this dude? You know, I'm not going to sit there and just stare at the wall. So I'm working like you're completely wasting my time. And I said, what are you talking about? He's like, um, he said, I just found out that that guy's not the owner. He was talking to my husband for 45 minutes. And I'm like, what does that matter? Do you know what I'm saying? And, and he's like, why waste my time? Because he's not the boss. And I was like, who cares? <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? He's still a chiropractor that's been out 17 years. He was a medical doctor for seven years. You could learn something from him. Do you know what I'm saying? And I think right. if you talk to any of the doctors in my office, we all, you, all, you can learn something from any of us. But he was too important to shake Eric's hand, which is an automatic... Like, I don't care who they are. Do you know what I'm saying? If they don't, that's just a dick move to not shake somebody's hand is a dick move. If you're listening to this podcast and that was you, like I'm watching that shit. Do you know what I'm saying? I hear about that all the time. I just interviewed somebody and they, they totally blew somebody off because they thought that they weren't the the important person of the office. Screw you. I'm not going to, you don't treat your staff can make or break you. Do you know what I'm saying? It doesn't mean that I cower to my staff, but don't treat, the team that gets me to where I need to be and, and like we're a team, don't treat them like shit because I will find out about it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like nobody should be above. It's like where you watch how your date treats a, treats a waitress. You, right. You exactly. Exactly. Um, this shows up in, this shows up uh, profession wide too, because as I was talking with Mike Massey uh, about my, one of my visits to Stanford university and their training facility, um, they gave me a, be- a wonderful tour of the training facility at Stanford and they showed me where the PTs work and the acupuncturist works and the MDs work and the massage therapist works and all these, all these different professionals and where they work. And I asked, where do the chiropractors work? And I just kind of got a smile from the clinic director and she said, yeah, we don't, we don't really work with chiropractors anymore because we found they're just not team players. 
they would they would rather derail Crazy. the derail the whole process for their own personal interest than work as a team for the for the the benefit of the athlete and 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 she said with absolute convi- conviction in her eyes we are only here for our athletes nothing else yeah. and we, we couldn't find yeah. that the chiropractors would put themselves they always put themselves ahead of the athletes so we decided we wouldn't work with them anymore yeah i think i just talked to you about that before we started with the uh the other experience i had with somebody where they were like so 85 percent of my practice is pregnant and it took me 13 years to get uh, obese to listen to me that there are evidence-based pregnancy chiropractors that will not talk to their patients about vaccines or not tell them they're turning their baby or do crazy stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there, there are right. people that exist. So now they're asking me to have lunch with them. And in fact, for my book, um, the head of the biggest clinic around here, she wrote the forward to my book. Not only did she write the forward to my book, who's an MD, uh, also uh, the head of the biggest birth center in our area also wrote a forward because they send all of their patients to me and we have lunch and we talk like we're friends. Like at this point they trust me because like, like she said in my forward, like there's not a patient she has sent me that hasn't gotten some improvement so they can enjoy their pregnancy a little bit more, which is life changing that they can still work and play with their kids. But one of the experience I have with somebody in my office, they're like, why don't you educate your patients on more natural ways of uh, delivering or healthcare with, with pregnancy? And I said, that kind of would piss off the OBs if I started right. saying, why don't, you see, why don't you see a midwife instead of the woman who just sent you to me? So it's just, my focus is the patient. Like I, I yeah. want to respect if they want an induction or not, if they want a C-section, it's not my call. And that's why like vaccines are not discussed at all in my practice because it's not my kid. Like I got the chance twice to make my own decisions about that. Um, No matter how smart you get about it, you're not the one that's sitting with your kid in a bathtub and they sound like a seal and you're regretting, oh my God, I didn't get my kid shots. Do you know what I'm saying? Or I gave my kid shots and now they have 106 fever and you know they're regressing in their in their cognitive ability like i don't want to be either of those parents and i don't want to be behind any of the the decisions with that do you know what i'm saying that's a heavy burden that i'm not trained to deal with well so I, I think some of these students are they're they're sort of um it's almost like they're taught or they're trained to put chiropractic before anything else yeah and before like forcing stuff down their throat, patients don't want to be forced. Like, and should we educate patients? Sure. If a patient says, what do I do about vaccines? I'm like, here's two websites. It's a hard decision. Knock yourself out. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's pretty much where yeah. I say, what did you, what do you do, Dr. Brandy? I'm not going to tell you what I do because I don't want you to take my authority or our friendship or what, you know, like our relationship. Your personal decision is not a medical piece of a medical advice. Nope. Yeah. And so I keep it and that they've literally said that to me, like, this is why we refer all our patients to you because you're not going to stop my, my induction that I'm, that I'm trying to order, or you're not going to talk them out of their C-section that they're having. That's, that's not my call. I don't, we only carry, I, my malpractice is $800. I don't want to carry the, the level of malpractice level of, of decision-making that they have. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not my call. It's not that's so I, I just stay out of that. I just try to support the patient the best that I can and, and meet them where they're at and not force stuff down their throat. You know, if you're helping them and you get them results and you are honest with them, they'll come back and they'll refer their friends. That's how I built my practice for 13 years or I have 16 years, but 13 years with the uh, 
trying to get in to the to the OBs. That's all I did before them. Now, now all the OBs just send their patients to me. So pretty much all I do with my practice. So it's a trust thing. And you'll see yep. that trust thing in, in personal injury relationships, your relationships with, uh, as a chiropractor with an attorney that refers you personal injury patients. If you start yep. violating that trust, it's going to get burned. If you have relationships with medical doctors and you violate that trust of this uh, implied teamwork that you're participating in, uh, you're going to get burned. And some, some of the younger chiropractors don't understand that because they're, 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 I don't know what you want to call it, green behind the ears or idealistic or they're chasing the rainbows and the unicorns. I think they're trying to get authority. Do you know what I'm saying? I think yeah. maybe it's like the Paul Blart mall cop thing. It's like, oh, I yeah. got a taser and now I'm important. You know what I'm saying? Like for some chiropractors, having that doctor before your name is really a big thing. And should you have some authority or some um, presence? Do you know what I'm saying? Of, of right. like being confident. Sure. Do you know what I'm saying? But Ultimately, if you do right by that patient, they're going to come back. It's not, it's sort of like, if you love something, let it go. Do you know what I'm saying? So you can give them recommendations that are evidence-based and, and, you know, I tell when I give a treatment plan, this is not set in stone. This, everybody's different. So, you know, we reassess you every six visits. So if you're getting better faster, awesome. And, um. That's how I run my practice. And I don't want to, I mean, this, this portion of the podcast, I don't want it to be reviewed as a shit on young chiropractors and students session. Um, I would like to summarize it as, as in what we're trying to say as doctors with experience is one, be a team player two, be open to learning as much as you possibly can about this profession, because you never know when you're going to need some of that information. Don't turn down information. Uh, three, be gracious, uh, have gratitude, especially if someone's giving something that took them decades to sort of establish as a powerful thing and they crack the code and they give it away to you for free. Be, have some gratitude for that. Um, and four, if I didn't say it already, be a team player. You got to be willing to play on a team, not just in your own office, but in your, um, in your community as well. So if you take that advice and you're pure and you're patient-centered and you maintain ethics, and you do the best that you possibly can for people, the sky's really the limit. Mm-hmm. I mean, that stuff just where, that's the baseline fundamental way of being you have to be to be successful in this game. All the other stuff, the, the digital marketing and Facebook ads and all that shit does not matter if you cannot do those other things that I just mentioned. Yep. So that, that's it for that chapter. Yep. Uh, yeah, you little shitheads, stop being shitheads. Um, let's get into a different you chapter. Know- we're, 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 us OGs sometimes don't know what we're doing either. So don't, if you, oh, we, we don't, don't, no, no, we're, but we're here every single day trying to figure something new out. Yeah. And uh, even we get to the point where we're like, oh, I was being a shithead about that. Yep. Every day. But that, <laughs> but that follows that scale of unconscious incompetence to unconscious uh, or conscious competence. You know, that whole scale, you yeah. start to be very wary of what you can and can't do and what your abilities are. And then you start to maximize it. And that's when the code starts to crack. And then you start doing bigger and bigger things. Um, speaking of bigger things, sure. t- tell me about the book. Tell me about the book. What is the title of this book? What the hell are you talking about? Uh, it's called What You Don't Expect When You're Expecting. So um, it's nice. taken me three years to write. And basically what it is is a very honest with expletives um, telling you what's coming up. Because one of my pet peeves with OBs um, 
is telling patients, hey, this is normal when you're pregnant. This is right. totally normal. You're pregnant. Just shut up. Uh, you know, there's nothing I can do. There's nothing you can do. And, and that comes from my experience when I was, I was hit head on when I was nine months pregnant with my oldest daughter. The, she's the one that got us into chiropractic. But um, I was hit head on. And I went to the doctor and I'm like, can I go to a chiropractor? And they're like, absolutely not. You can't go to a chiropractor when you're pregnant. And I kept hearing that with my patients, like, oh, I'll come to you when I'm done being pregnant. And they would sit and suffer through it. And there's a lot that you can do. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I see freaking miracles where I keep, it's not about nerve interference. And it, it's about keeping a woman who didn't account for staying, you know, going out on disability. So right. I wrote this book. I wrote the, uh, it took me uh, two years to write the workbook portion because I, I had a real hard time seeing myself as an authority and saying, here's all my tricks. Here, here's what you need to stop doing. Here's maybe what you could start doing. Here's some exercise. So every, in my office is called Bloom. So Bloom is like, it was developed because my practice was known for sports medicine because I was the chiropractor of Bally's and Gold's. And so when, in 2007, when I almost lost my own daughter, um, I couldn't practice. All I could see was pregnancy. So I had a lot of time. So I developed a program of, of protocols where I took all my athlete, athlete protocols. So I've taken the whole CCP, CCSP track. I haven't taken the test because I haven't gotten to it, but I took all those protocols and applied them to pregnancy. So um, they get, just like an athlete, a pregnant person needs quick results too and, and that'll last. So the book basically goes over the like top eight or nine main complaints that are um, extremely common with pregnancy. And again, what they need to stop doing, what they need to start doing. Here's, I, I give them techniques if you're by yourself and you don't have a partner, um, which would suck, but um, you know, that would be shitty, but I still want to give them tools. Like if they don't have a partner around, if you have a partner, this is what your partner can do. And it has pictures, it has uh, cartoons. So I do a lot of basic anatomy. So they have like a, an idea. And it also talks about like the relationships because pregnancy is such a freaking amazing thing with chiropractic. Like if you're into like functional, you know, um, motion screening and that kind of stuff in that like you can take somebody who can barely walk and they're hating life and their husband's hating them because they keep them up all night and they feel like an asshole because they can't take care of their kids and they can't do their job and they it really is mind screwing as a woman trust me because like that happened to me at 17 weeks where it's like oh i didn't expect to not practice i planned that kid for like six years you know and, and we were just trying to wait till the practice got under control and i planned everything about her i had no clue I would go out on disability. I was adjusting somebody's foot and apparently that was way too much and it just, um, it was bad. So I had to go to the ER and they just literally said like, you can't practice other than Webster technique. Like your husband can do the side posture part. You could sit there and put your finger where, you know, the spot is on the, on the round ligament, but um, that's all I could do. So all that planning was sort of for not, do you know what I'm saying? And, and um, it, it was, it's a real mind screw. And, and I think to be able to reconnect women to feeling like themselves and feeling like they can do the things that they did before is, is gratifying. Do you know what I'm saying? And you get to go through the whole process with them and get to see them evolve from being a woman who like, that's her, she's her only thought in her mind to becoming somebody who thinks for someone else to watch that is, is, uh, it's awesome. Uh, yeah, I don't even have a uterus, and I think that's pretty cool. I, I think you do sometimes, though. I married one. 
I, you did. That's awesome. I'm, I'm proud of you. I married a productive uterus. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, with my, with some of my experiences of my wife having children, I can sometimes impart some information to expectant mothers. They had a, a eight month old pregnant mom today coming in with uh, sciatic like pain. And there were some things I could relate to her and her husband from my experiences, but mm -hmm. obviously, you know, I've never drove that car, so <laughs> I might have to just pur purchase a box of your books and then uh, issue them out to my my prego moms. You know, yeah. I've already started writing my the the deal got I got a, a deal with a publisher, but what, what they were saying is that if I wrote a second book, that would be more powerful. So I started writing a book for chiropractors. Yeah, that's what they say, yeah. So just protocols of like what you can do in practice because there's a lot of tricks that I have that I love to share. So yeah. if it's unfortunate in publishing, it's like your first book is your, is your masterpiece, but yeah. it ain't worth nothing. Yeah. Then you got to throw down a, a second book. <laughs> they offered me 15, but my, my editor said that that I would do better doing it myself, like self publishing because she yeah. thinks it's going to be a huge hit. So um, I'm sounds like it. No, it sounds like a great topic and a great yeah. title. The title means a lot. Uh, what are you going to talk about at forward KC, the forward thinking chiropractic Alliance's first annual convention? What do you want to talk about? What are you, what are you thinking? Where, what direction are you going? Because you've got so many different directions you could go. You know, I'm like a squirrel with, on, on uh, caffeine. Right. You can go, you can go systems. You can what go. What I'm going to talk about is like how, how to build a, a kick-ass evidence-based practice and not sell your soul. So I got yeah. into it, as we talked about, like I got in it with somebody and I, I won't back down sometimes on your board and I'm sorry, but, um, like the guys like somebody who's giving somebody shit for seeing a lot of people on a Saturday. And it's like, I just wish we would be more open to the way other people practice sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Like everything is not wrong. And if you sit back and listen to people a little bit more, you know, you still, I, I'm bound and determined to build one of the biggest evidence-based practices, like, you know, in, in Pennsylvania. So if, if you can see it, you know, I'm going to bring some video of my practice and um, just the systems that might be helpful for somebody because it is overwhelming to sort of recreate everything. You know, these are systems that would be really good for you to put in place. And I'm going to share my growth plans of like how you add staff members in, in a way, but just the outlook of, of not of having some hope because I really didn't have any mentors of being evidence-based like Tim Maggs for me at the time when I, we were going through that was like my savior because I'm like, Oh, well somebody thinks like I do. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and since then he's gone to your plans and stuff like that. But um, it was like, it was really cool because there was somebody I could cling on to and be like, Oh, I really like your, your philosophy. Do you know what I'm saying? It's evidence-based. So to provide hope to somebody that you can practice without selling your soul, you know, and without losing your mind is possible. Uh, yeah, the other yeah. thing that I plan to talk about, and I, I bristled about that a little bit with the women topic. Um, it, it's, it's still, I, I don't let it stop me. Do you know what I'm saying? And I'm not going to sit on the sidelines and be like, boohoo, somebody treated me bad because I'm a woman. I, I think it's hysterical now. Like it's just, right now I'm just, I just roll my, I do the Robert Downey sort of eye roll when something like that happens. And I, I almost try to make it a joke now. Like so many times we'll have somebody come into the office and I can tell by their tone, they're trying to sell my front desk person something. So I'll walk out to the front desk and I'll say, Hey, can I help you? And they're like, no, I'm going to wait for the boss. And I'm like, 
okay. And I'll walk back in my room and we have a huge office. So like I'll wait and I'll like Google chat my front desk and they're like, okay, it's time. So I'll walk across the center of my office and they'll say, um, and my front desk will be like, that's the boss. <laughs> so uh, just something stupid like that. Like, how do you, I want to expand it. I don't want it to be about gender because I really, there's nothing I can do about my gender, nor right. do I totally. want to do totally. about my gender. And it's funny on that board. I think I have more testosterone than some of the guys on that board. <laughs> you do. You I do. know. Cause it comes from being a paramedic. Like paramedic school takes you from having low self-esteem. Normally if you have normal self-esteem, it takes you to like a godlike complex. I went in with low self-esteem and I ended up with like normal self-esteem, but, um, I take no shit uh, from from people, but uh, it's it's. I want to talk more about like how to handle your family. Like I have a special needs daughter. Um, she's ten. She has Asperger's. She's awesome. She's a straight A student, but like she had a health crisis two years ago where they thought she had a brain tumor and she needed surgery. So how do you handle that? Because I, I can honestly say, and I'm embarrassed to say that I have a twenty year old who is now in England. And she came with us every day after school. One of us would go pick her up and we would bring her back to the office and she would sell pillows and she would adjust wrists and she would talk to everybody. And she's, she's going to be a kick-ass business woman. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. But I never was a mom. Do you know what I'm saying? I never, right. we worked 60 to 80 hours a week. So when people bitch of like, oh, I'm tired. I went to an event. Try working 68 hours and then going out to events and still being a parent it's tough. So how do you manage your time and how do you, um, you know, incorporate your kids into the business? I, I've, I've always shared business with my daughter with HR and all that kind of stuff. Cause my mom was a business owner. So just talking about how to handle being a parent, you know, and, and putting your kids, cause it feels like sometimes your practice has to be first because your practice is what feeds your kids and puts right. a roof over the head. Right. So you have to eat a lot of shit sometimes. But if you can learn from my mistakes or if I can give you some tips on how to really conserve your time. It's just like I said, like when my daughter, they thought she had a brain tumor, I went to two days and I said, how the hell am I, uh, Tim Ferriss did, like, how the hell am I going to get this done? I still need to see this many patients. I love what I do. I don't want to stop practicing. So how do you do it? So that, that's what I plan to talk about. But that's when you are in that, in that sort of state of, uh, uh, a state of learning, a state of gratitude, a state of awareness, a state of competence uh, and stress comes or something in your life comes and, and, and kicks you right in the pants. That's when you're able to adapt. But if you are already in that state that we've talked about with the young chiropractors before, where they think they already know it all, they think they've already got it all figured out. They don't have to do the hard work. They don't have to shovel any of the shit. And then something comes and kicks them in the, in the shins. They fold like a, they just fold like a deck of cards. I think in practice, it more kicks you right in the square in the nads. Like there is yeah. no, there aren't very many kicks in the shins with practice, owning a practice. It, it goes straight for the Coney. So, um, it, and know, that's what, that's, you know, when, when I, when I designed this idea of the forward thinking chiropractic convention, it was to have these conversations. It was to have, the, yes, it's very, you have to get butts and seats by putting the speakers that people want to hear and in an evidence-based crowd, they want to hear sort of the rehab stuff and they want to hear the business stuff and this other stuff and this person or whatever. But what I really am designing or what I really wanted to happen is that all these people are together and that they meet each other 
Yep. And God forbid somebody give somebody else a fucking hug around here. I'm going to hug all of you and say, I appreciate you. And I, you know, I've learned so much from you and, and understand that we're all human beings that have these lives. Mm -hmm. And when you're young, there's not as it blows our minds as the old docs that the young docs don't throw everything they got into it because you don't have as much on your plate as we do. And if you don't, you don't understand that right now that yes, you've got your student loan debt. We all still probably have ours too. <laughs> Um, so it's not just that and oh you know you don't have a house yet well some of us still don't either you know like there are still people renting houses and trying to pay down their rent and run a practice and have a family like it never gets easier there's just more on your plate you have to get better more money more problems that's right yeah so so I want people to be I want the youngsters to be around the oldsters I want the oldsters to see the youngsters and get energy again I want everybody to, to talk to each other and realize that we've got something very powerful here uh, and that it's nothing but love and that we can't do this alone. We all have to do it together uh, as a team, whatever there's it no is. Way. There's no other way. And I'm really appreciative for the board. I mean, like Eric showed me this board and I was like this freaking, I mean, I think you and I butted heads like the first week. I almost, <laughs> if, if you're in the forward thinking chiropractic alliance and you haven't butted heads with me yet you're not in it <laughs> Dude, i was like i was ready i was ready for that but i i was like i am not back and then i was like oh shit he's the freaking owner of the board <laughs> i will i will throw down with any of you at any time i, I enjoyed my in. tussle with you <laughs> but I, I i put i i i navigate them in a way that we can all come away with something yeah, you can always, that's the point. I don't want it to be a shit show on, uh, on you know, students, but just anything that you do, if you go to Con Ed and it sucks, just be like, what can I get, like, one thing out of this? Even if it's not from the seminar, can I meet somebody there that, like, I connect with and they can help me with something? We're all willing, all of us are, are willing to help. Yeah, here's a thought. That guy that everyone complains about who sees 100 people on a Saturday within two hours or whatever instead of complaining about how he does it, why don't you give him a call and see how he does it? Yeah. And, and maybe you, it's not for you. Like I saw a guy one time that's all our whole week in an hour and he had people face down and it was open and, and I didn't shit on his parade. I thanked him for like letting me see it. And I'm like, it's not, I didn't say that to him. You know, I wouldn't be like, Nope, not for me. This sucks. Right. This is a total scam. You stole my dream. <laughs> you stole my dream. But I just, you could always use the respect and that, that extends too for other professions. Like if you come out of school and you're like, oh, physical therapists suck and family doctors have it out for us. They don't, do you know what I'm saying? And, and if you right. just say to them, there's 50,000 of us and there's 50,000 of you, there's enough patients for everybody. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, let's learn from each other. Let's work together. And if they're a douche, then just let them go. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. But if you yep. have that, I can learn from a physical therapist. They can learn from me. Do you know what I'm saying? It's nobody has... Nobody is, is above that. Do you know what I'm saying? So right. I, I guess that's my, my takeaway, hopefully to impart, I'm sounding like a cynical bitch, but I just, um, there's so much to learn, you know, and, and there's just so much time to do it. Do you know what I'm saying? With, with trying to run a practice. So if you can learn from some of us OGs, and I'm not saying that to be like, oh, look at me. I'm very open that I, I do not have my shit together. I just gave a talk with a the biggest chamber around here. And I'm like, they asked me to speak about work-life balance, which was hysterical to me because I, <laughs> I, my first opening line was like, I am a shit show. I am a driven shit show. And I said, I just get stuff done. It's not pretty. Do you know what I'm saying? There, there right. is no such thing as balance. 
I consider myself a, a, I'm like a bowl in a china shop or, or a yeah. bumper bowling. That's me. More like bumper bowling. I, I bounce off all the walls, but I eventually get there. Yep, it's me. <laughs> um, I got, uh, you know what's the funniest part about these podcasts is I never know how to end them. Like you don't I could, know how to have a happy ending? Yeah, no, I don't know how to end them, yeah. I, I would rather, I could just do this. We could talk and we, we could, could talk and we could talk and we can keep yeah. going. Um, Let's just yeah. say peace out and drop the mic. Yeah, peace out. Yeah. Biatch. Thanks. Biatch. <laughs> Thanks for, you just wanted to call me a biatch. Thank See, you. See there, then we brought gender back into it. I told we'd tie gender back no, into it. I don't it. care if you call me a biatch. You're a little biatch sometimes too. So <laughs> um, the main point uh, with that gender thing that I wanted to get across was that when, when it came time to choose people to, to speak at Forward KC, it wasn't me handpicking people. I actually offered... Uh, uh, I offered people to step up. I was your, I was your last choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I offered people to step up, and I offered yeah. people to offer up other people's names. And um, uh, I got some I got some beef once the actual lineup was set up that there was only at that time there were two I remember fe that. females. You got some and, shit on that. I saw that. And other females made a big stink that there were only two females, and I tried to tell them I it's not up to me to find you or to sort of even out the speaking board, the speaking lineup. It was up to you guys to step up and, and offer your, your services or offer your time or offer your expertise. And only two people did. Yeah. Cause it's um, like, it's, this is a lot of work for you. If somebody came to you and said, Hey, I got a great idea to teach other students or other chiropractors. And here's what I'm thinking. You would have been like, dudes, totally. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I wouldn't care. I mean, I, w I would love it. it I mean, because I, I think there, there should be an even or somewhat even or whatever you want to call it representation of all genders and colors and races and sexual preferences, but we don't have any time for that. This is an exchange of information and love. And I don't, I don't have time to sort of pick out like, well, you know, so we don't have enough, um, southwestern pygmies <laughs> uh on the panel for speakers so we got to even this out uh we're talking about rob like that right <laughs> <laughs> there's rob is adorable i am going to bear hug rob when i see him i just want people to feel empowered but it's up to you to grab this by the the horns and become a contributor there are there are tons of solid solid uh female Dude, there are there, there are women on this board that are more way more successful than I am and they don't post. Do you know what I'm saying? I, yeah. And I know that they're on there. I see them on there. Yeah. They'll post occasionally, but they're not living on there. Yeah, and we we could we could we could uh, pre, we could uh, use what you have to offer. Um I'm going to put a little seed in your mind before I leave. Ooh, hello. If you hurt? could in some way quantify or uh box up or package the way that you've systematized your practice, that could be a very valuable thing to everybody. It's already ready. That's what I'm talking about. I knew I'm I wouldn't have to, about. I knew I wouldn't be bringing anything new to you. I'm preparation each. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude, I got to go. Right, man. I take care of you. See you later. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.